Welcome to another episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Megan Reynolds, in lieu of the effervescent Maddie Davies, who is on vacation. I am joined by a very special guest, the co-host of Big Time Dicks, Jezebel's Politics podcast, and managing editor, Joanna Rothkoff. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be and here. I, for one, am ecstatic to have Joanna joining us. We're going to be talking a little later on with another Jezebel staff writer, um, Kelly Faircloth, an expert in all things royal on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of Princess Diana's death, which was on August 31st. You know, there was this big backlash and everybody, you know, thought that like these paparazzi had literally chased her to her death. But before we get into that maudlin shit, we're going to talk about the dirtiest dirt with um, with Joanna. And I'm very excited on this I'm day of days. so excited mm. to be here in this studio with you. Are Usually you? when I'm in this studio, um, on Big Time Dicks, we talk about laws and politicians that suck. And so we, yeah, we do a lot of laughing, but the subject matter is really depressing. And I'm really excited to be here talking about something that's just not depressing. Anyway, I'm ex- I'm really excited to be I'm talking gl- about things that are going to make me laugh. I am excited to talk about things that will make you laugh as well. Um, the only thing that I can think of that happened this week that is even worth discussing with regards to celebrities, there's two things. First thing is this bullshit about Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Um, Anna Ferris, who as dedicated listeners and people who pay attention, even like sort of to the television, know they broke up. But now they're in couples therapy because they're trying to work some shit out for the kids. What are your thoughts on them as a couple, just in general? I really liked them as a couple Mm -hmm. until I stopped liking Chris Pratt. Yeah. Which was abrupt and hasn't wavered at all for me. I mean, I think we can pinpoint the moment when we stopped liking Chris Mm -hmm. Pratt as a country. And it was also when Chris Pratt started loving himself. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) That is unfortunately true. I think it was when he got hot for Guardians of Guardians of the Galaxy. When he emerged from his, like, doughy shell to become, like, a weird buff, like, nerd who is now, like, Like, look, I'm a franchise star now. Congratulations to you. And we're all, like, we're very happy for you for making so much money, but you're not fun. Mm -mm. No, he's been kind of a killjoy. Or just, I don't know, not even that. I just think he's, like, is it rude to say that he was more interesting when he was kind of puffy? I don't know. I mean, it might be rude, but it's also true. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Like— Also, if you look, if you watch Parks and Rec when he's at his most lovable, mm-hmm. he's. Ve- I mean, even when you watch like interviews with him not on TV, TV, yeah. he is kind of a jerk, like mm-hmm. prank, pranky kind yeah. of guy. Anyway, yeah. But it's because he's like not perfect that you're right. like, oh, he's so funny, and this is fun, and I'm on board with you, and right. we're on the same team, right? But now he's just so clearly not on our team. Um, they released a joint statement about being in couples therapy saying, our son has two parents who love him very much. And for his sake, we want to keep the situation as private as possible moving forward. And then a source also said about a reconciliation, never say never. And this is from People. But Pratt and Ferris's marriage faced serious problems centered around their difficult work schedules and the action star's growing fame. Um, cool. <laughs> 
I feel like it's so rude to erase her from this narrative. It is so rude to erase her from this narrative. And I'm sure that's why they're getting divorced. Because she's like, fuck you. Like, you got really buff. And, like, I don't like having sex with you anymore. Because yeah. maybe she enjoyed the, the I don't know. Yeah. Right? Probably. I, mean, I bet he's looking. I bet he's, like, gotten a wall mirror installed oh. next to their bed <laughs> and, like, keeps looking over. And she's like, can you not? Like, I'm. we have, like, five minutes to do this. <laughs> yeah. So if you could just tear your eyes away from, like, your rippling buttocks for one second. I'm making a lot of assumptions, but I'm Same. basically sure they're true. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have a wall mirror, a mirror ceiling. Yeah. There's probably a room of mirrors that he only— bones in or works out in. Right. And she's like, I'm just trying to do some yoga. And he's like, can't, babe. Like, move. Yeah, and then he has body to like, room. Right, his body room. <laughs> Maybe they got divorced over the body room. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, this is pure speculation. <laughs> this is speculation. We have no sources. <laughs> we don't know anything. I haven't talked to another person about this until right now. <laughs> <laughs> I only thought about this on the way over here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to see that Joanne and I are on the same page. Yeah. Which is really nice. It's like it's like the thing where if two people come up with that idea on their own, it's probably right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which is how I've lived most of my life. Right. And it's working out for me thus far. I'm really excited about it. I don't know. I think the hotter he well, okay. Do you think he could get any hot like hotter? I'm doing quotes and making a face. Like my theory is that the hotter he gets as I guess career-wise, but mostly, like, body-wise, uh-huh. the more of a dick he becomes. So do you think this is, like, peak dick for Chris Pratt? I would say yes, mm-hmm. although we don't know how he's going to look as a middle-aged man. <gasps> oh, it could all go to shit. I mean, he might get less good-looking, but he might get a lot better looking. That's the yeah, that's Like, I think the this risk. is the hottest he's going to be as a young man. Mm-hmm. But, like, what if he starts graying? Ooh. What if he gets very chiseled? Mm, what if there's like a crow's feet situation? What if there's a good like crow's a, feet situation? <laughs> like a hot crow's feet sitch. Right. Oh, God. The future is bright for him, I guess. We, we don't know. I mean, we'll see. Next on our list, um, one of the reasons that I am personally very excited to have Joanna sitting across from me is because she is the only person I know who is a fucking expert on a little show called Dancing with the Stars. Oh, what an honor. <laughs> it is somehow inexplicably in its about to be in its 25th season. Yes. Yikes. Total yikes. Wow. I have to say that I sat <clears throat> out the last season mm-hmm. because I've worked at Jezebel for two years mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'll write about Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. That's fun. And they have been like popping out seasons. Like, like faster. Like than, it's one of those tennis ball like poppers. Like, like <laughs> yeah, they're like many seasons a year. Like a batting cage. Like a batting but cage. But with Dancing with the Stars. Yes. <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's, it's impossible is a for me to keep up. And it's also a very big time commitment. Yeah. Because they start doing two hours. Their episodes are two hours uh-huh. and they start doing it twice a week. So you're what? watching four hours of television oh my for God. one recap. It's not worth it. I can't. But the only reason I bring this up is because usually – I remember every year having done this for a while. The week after Labor Day is when they announce the new cast. Is that always or is this just because they've been like ramping well, up Well, I think the for seasons? the fall season. The f- oh, because there's two seasons. Because there's they're the two fall yearly the- seasons. It is ridiculous. It's too many seasons. Um, they're going to announce the cast on Wednesday on Good Morning America like they always do. But this season, um, like every season, I guess, there's – speculation, like pretty confirmed speculation floating around about who the celebrity portion of the cast is. I haven't been only paying 
sort of attention to this because I think ballroom dancing is fun to watch. So <laughs> it is. It's really fun. <laughs> and it's a nice Sorry. it's a nice um, reprieve from my other favorite dance show, So You Think You Can Dance. A lot of the pros on Dancing with the Stars come from So You Think You Can Dance. <gasps> I knew there was a reason I loved both. There's definitely a relationship. Um, <laughs> well, there are some interesting people that I have heard that are rumored to be cast members this season. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to ask Joanna these people, and she will tell me if she knows who they are. Who okay. They, um, okay, so the th- Drew Scott. So he's the property brother. He is a property brother. A, sorry, a property There's brother. There's two. They're twins. <laughs> right. One is Jonathan. He's a contractor. And Drew, I believe, is um, the real estate agent. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know they had different roles. Oh, yeah, no. There's two. Yeah, I mean, property brothers. No, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they have very different roles. Does he have enough of a personality to really do this? You know, no. I think that out of the two, his brother is um, the more, I mean, his personality is more noxious for sure, but he has, it's there as opposed to Drew, who I think is kind of wooden. I mean, they're both like, they're both lame pound puppies, but Drew is a little more like, he doesn't have like the fun part on the show. He just like shows people houses and is like, you can't afford this. Ugh, that's going to be so boring. Also, his partner is not a particularly fun partner. Who's Emma his partner? Slater. I don't know. Emma Slater. Okay. But she's from Australia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh cool. Great um, accent. She's real. She's like a great dancer, mm-hmm. but she's not one of the personalities mm. of the show. So they're not, she's not going to like make him fun. Right. So I imagine they'll be, does she usually get voted off? Voting? She won last season. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, But the way the pro, the pairings work mm-hmm. is just so clearly meant to, the best pros get the best celebrities who, mm. to keep them on the longest. I like see. the celebrities they think will stay on usually. Okay. okay. Emma hasn't really gotten good Celebs. Celebs? Well, I wish her the best of luck with Drew Scott because he's like 6'4". I feel like he has two left feet and can maybe like lift her up like a Frankenstein would lift up like a pile of wood. Totally. Which, but will he be able to move his hips in a cha-cha? I think definitely no. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't I don't think so either. And I'm really actually really upset uh, thinking about it. Yeah. I just had a brief vision <laughs> flash in my mind and it was um, horrible. Yeah. So, well, Godspeed to you, Drew. Um, Nick and Vanessa Lachey are on it. That's really fun. That, are they competing? But they're competing against each other, obviously. Against each other. And here's a fun fact. Please. They're only the second married couple to compete against each other Ooh. on the show in history. Who was the, the first? The other married yes. couple was Carlos and Alexis Pena Alexis Pena Vega. So Ooh. they combined their last names. So okay. they were like Carlos Pena and Alexis Vega okay. or something. Sure. Alexis Pena Vega is the child in Spy Kids. Oh, oh, Jesus. And now she's an adult and married. (laughs) (laughs) And then Carlos Pena Vega was also um, like a Disney-ish Nick kind of teen star. But then he was also Kanicki in Grease Live. No. (laughs) Does that have an after Dancing with the Stars? Oh, my God. So what caliber of celebrity would you say do you think, like, makes it? Do they, like, shoot high 
and then pick up whatever, like, the net drags in kind of stitch? I mean, just in my experience, I've seen their celebrities. They choose celebrities who are on the way up, Mm. celebrities who are on the way down, Mm. sports stars. Sports people, right. And local heroes. Local heroes? Like Sully? I'm just kidding. No, like the guy who was on the train in—the U.S. soldier who was on a train in Europe and, like, saved the train from a terrorist attack was on Dancing with the Stars. What? And this season there's—this is not the same, but, like, this season there's a Paralympic swimmer. Okay. It's like there's always, like, an un, like a hero mm. or an underdog to root for, someone who's really done something amazing, and okay. now they're, like, dancing. Like someone who would definitely have, like, a three-page profile in People magazine. Right. Like that very specific kind of right. famous right. person. Yeah. Wow. What a fascinating <laughs> time. I really it's, it's am. Fascinating. Um, who else? So the Lachey's, that's fine. Frankie Muniz. He's a perfect Dancing with the Stars contender. Tell me. Oh, the other kind is that I don't know what which one this is classified as, but the funny former child star. They always oh, need okay. like a guy oh, who was famous when he was a kid like, and he's gonna like flirt with his partner ew. and win the fans. Uh-huh. And he's gonna go farther than you think he should go. Okay. And it's going to be like, Frankie, I've really seen a different side of you. <laughs> like that Viennese waltz made me cr- – I've been cr- – I've been crying. I was crying the whole time you were doing the Viennese waltz. That's going to – if that happens. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'll buy you something. Well, something small. I don't we'll know. blog a blog. We'll blog a blog <laughs> if it happens. Um, Barbara Corcoran. That's crazy. That's – why I she's on Shark Tank, right? Yeah. Mickey, I want to say something. You've got to give up this crying stuff. Okay. The minute a woman cries, you're giving away your power. You have to cry privately. Well, I think it takes a lot of strength to show this type of vulnerability. No, no, no. I understand what you mean. Not in business. I'm sorry, not in business. I have hired men, women my whole life. When I get a woman who's crying, I refile her in my head in terms of potential because I don't trust her in terms of keeping a cap on her emotion. She um, owns a very prominent, like, real estate group, and she is on Shark Tank, and I guess that's how she's on Dancing with the Stars because they're both on ABC. Yeah, there are a lot of ABC stars. Like, crossovers. Mm -hmm. That would probably explain why Sasha um, Petersa, she was (laughs) on Pretty Little Liars. I came to pay my respects to tell you one more time that I had nothing to do with your daughter. <laughs> Where's my daughter? Where's her body? She, I think, was like the most out of all of those girls, another show that I know like way too much about. I feel like she is the least likely to achieve any sort of um, fame in any way after like post that show, which is now over. Um, but I also don't think she'll be a very good dancer. But does it matter? It totally matters. It does. I mean, lest we forget the case of Misha Barton, who came <laughs> on the show and really for her comeback, and she had not been on a show or anything in years, and she was terrible right. and got kicked off in the second episode, and right. it was humiliating, and she gained nothing. What do you win as a celebrity if you win Dancing with the Stars? Nothing, because you you're already win, famous. You win the Mirrorball Trophy. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> I want one. But there's also like a gradient. A gradient? I don't know. Like, like a, a curve? Of what Art. you get paid per episode. So you oh. get paid more and more as you continue to be in it. Wait, so, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. So like you get paid 
I I don't like remember the numbers. Amount. I like mm-hmm. wrote this once, but like in the first episode, you get paid like twenty thousand dollars an episode. But then if you get to the final three, you get mm-hmm. paid a hundred thousand dollars an episode. Whoa! But you don't get anything more for winning than oh. you do for being in the final three. So you just your only incentive is to like stay on the show so you can continue to make more money, and right. then the trophy and stay in a, the memory in the memory. of Americans. <laughs> <laughs> um. What are the uh, dancers, the pros? Yeah. Do they win or do they get – I mean, they get paid for being on the show, obviously. Yeah. But do they win anything other than, like, the fucking trophy I and, like, I think they just become bigger, celebra- bigger celebrities. That's depressing a little bit. I mean, but also they really have hit the jackpot of the fame you can achieve as a ballroom dancer. It's true. That is, like, the pinnacle, I would the say. The pinnacle. Although I would say maybe Mary Murphy, until you think you can dance as a judge – is yeah. like clo- is like you can maybe transcend the final. and become a judge, and that's like and that's like it. That's the apex of right. your ballroom dancing fame because you're not really dancing anymore as a judge. Exactly on the on Dancing with the Stars, there are some judges, all ballroom dancing judges. Mm-hmm. One of them, Carrie Naba. Yes, love her. Was I love her too? <laughs> She's great. She was famously like a Madonna backup dancer. Oh, okay, and that and she was also in Austin Powers. She was. As Fukio. No, she wasn't. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Austin. This is my twin sister. Her name, Fukio. Fukio. Fuck me. See? <laughs> but, like, so she was a very successful dancer, but then she got fame mm. as a judge. I, I think I might watch this season only to see. It is a four-hour dedica- time dedication. I know. You just have to, you have to skim. But I could just, like, watch the performances on YouTube the next right. day. You can watch many of the performances. Because I don't YouTube. need to, like, the filler is, like... Although Aaron Andrews and Tom Bertrand as a duo are fun. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about the show so much? Because I'm know. genuinely curious. <laughs> I don't know. I think... <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I think I really like Aaron and Tom. They seem to they're really like have senses of humor about what they're doing. That's great. They don't take it seriously. Super helpful. It's live, so there are a lot of mistakes. Love a mistake. The the judges, I love as characters. <laughs> and I like seeing dancing. Me too. I mean, this is why I watch So You Think You Can Dance because the choreography is really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I think Mary Murphy is an insane human. And I like everything about her. And Kat Dealey is a really good um, reality TV show host. Yeah. She's really great. She's, she's really good hair. She's great. Yeah. I'm, she's British and leggy and like seems very like fun and like nice. Yeah. She seems really nice. Yeah. I would talk to her like after like, you know, blowing a fucking like pa- Paso Doble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just feel like... um Okay, sure. It's like a comment on a celebrity culture, mm-hmm. and that's why, like, maybe I wanted to write about it, but that's not why I like it. I like it because it's very comforting. Yeah. And it's my f- stupid family. Like, they are my family. No, I get it. Joining us today is Jezebel Staff Writer, my colleague, coworker, friend, Kelly Faircloth, um, 
who is an expert in all things royal and other things. <laughs> but she's going to talk um, to us today about Princess Diana's death. Um, so, Kelly, thanks for joining me. I'm happy to, especially on a day when they followed up the anniversary by Meghan Markle is on the cover of Vanity Fair, girlfriend oh of Prince Harry, and also a third royal baby is due. So they really need to like pump the brakes on the news coverage. It's too much royals, <laughs> frankly. But. Um, let's before we get into that stuff, which we will. Where were you when you learned about um, Princess Diana's death? This is BBC Television from London. Diana, Princess of Wales, has died after a car crash in Paris. The French government announced her death just before five o'clock this morning. Buckingham Palace confirmed the news shortly afterwards. Normal programs have been suspended while we bring you the latest developments throughout the morning. I remember exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. I was at the lake for like a Labor Day last hurrah with my, you know, my mom and my siblings and my aunt and my cousins. And I guess, you know, somebody was sleeping on the pullout couch in the living room, hence the TV was on late at night. And all of a sudden, holy shit, Diana had been in a car crash. And then all of a sudden, double holy shit, yeah. she'd actually passed away. And it was funny because I actually, in preparation for this interview, I kind of sat down and like looked at the timeline of, you know, what she'd done in that last year and the history mm -hmm. of her celebrity and all that. And I kind of hadn't realized, you know, because when you're a kid, you know, your sense of time is different. And so I sort of thought that she had always been, you know, she'd always been there. She'd always been as yeah. famous as she was in 1997. And she was obviously like famous from the minute they realized she was dating Prince Charles. Mm -hmm. But that last year of her life was really, like, she, her celebrity had reached a new height in mm -hmm. 1997, and all these iconic moments happened in that, like, eight-month period, and I hadn't realized it. Like, mm -hmm. in January of 1997 is when she did the famous walk through the landmine field. Yeah. I seem to have an enormous amount of media that follow me around the world, so I feel that they may be able to raise the awareness of the difficulties in the country that we've arrived in. I'm very happy to do photo calls if it raises the issue, but only on that basis. And it's certainly nothing in it for me. Um, in the summer, she that was when she auctioned yeah, off her sort of wardrobe from being a princess at mm -hmm. Christie's. So she came to America. They auctioned it off for an AIDS charity. We have a bid down of 19000 Here in the room, on my right, $19,000. You all done at $19,000. Last time, 19000 um, she met with, in Washington, she met with Catherine Graham of the Washington Post. She met with Hillary Clinton. She met with Tina Brown. She met with Anna Wintour. She, you know, that's the summer that she's photographed, you know, hugging a crying Elton John at yep. Giovanni Versace's funeral. And then there's this frenzy of coverage of her relationship with Dodi Al-Fayed mm -hmm. and their vacation leading up to the car crash. Mm -hmm. And so it really is, like, impossible almost to fathom how famous she was. Right. And the fact that she died, like, at the height of her fame, it's so rare. I mean, it's like, you know, like, you know, Buddy Holly dies in a plane crash. Yeah. He has a big hit. You know, his legendary status is sort of retroactive. Like, it's it's like if if Kim Kardashian had been hit by a bus after that paper cover. <laughs> My but God. Like, but even then, she's like, she's not as famous as, she's not as big of a deal as Princess Diana Is was. there anyone now that you think that is, like, on her level? I was trying to think about this on the way over here. And Kim was, like, the closest thing I could think of. But I don't think it's, because Kim's fame is, like, a little... You know, there's, like, something a little bull about it. It's very aggressively managed. Yes. Um, which, it's not organic. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, she is very famous, but, like, 
you know, Princess Diana, you know, she did more managing of the media than people give her credit mm-hmm. for, I think. But um, I don't even know that there could be another celebrity like Diana at the moment, like at, right now, because she exists in this this transitional moment mm-hmm. where, you know, like I, I was looking through Tina Brown's The Diana Chronicles, which I had a huge embarrassing oversight, had never read. <laughs> and I have only gotten 150 pages into it. And it's incredible. I say I want to read it. cannot recommend it highly enough. Because, <laughs> um, you know, of course, like Tina Brown's the perfect person to write about her. Yeah. Because when she was, you know, when she was first like engaged Prince Charles, she was the editor-in-chief of Tatler. And she's like, you know, she has this incredible story about winning, you know, winning in line for some posh party and some, you know, guy is like, oh, you can always tell the quality of a gentleman. You can always tell a gentleman by the quality of his drugs. And it's just, she's <laughs> the perfect person to write about Diana. Anyway, Diana sort of comes along in this transitional moment mm-hmm. in the media landscape where people sort of, you know, forget how famous, like, you know, Queen Elizabeth was this incredible icon. And I mean, you know, when the royal wedding happened, I mean, they made, they made a Fred Astaire movie pinned yeah. to it. You're all places that leave me breathless. And no wonder you're all the world to me. You know, there was this huge frenzy, and she was beautiful, and Prince Philip was handsome, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there was all this, like, worshipful coverage of her when she was coming up. And and Prince Charles really was, like, he was an eligible—he was the most eligible bachelor. He was photographed doing all these action things, and, you know, everybody wanted to know who he was going to marry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody watched his investiture, which is, like, where the queen makes him—it's this, you know, ancient ceremony yeah. where the queen, you know, makes him the official crown prince or whatever— with I like mean, a sword or something? Yeah, she like okay. it's kind of like he's like a sash situation. Yeah, okay. you know, like medals. I mean, it's the thing is, it was is televised. Yeah, it was televised in Britain, and oh like that's God. the thing is, like this is the world that had existed where like something like that would yeah. be, you know, taken seriously and serious right. attention paid to it, and you know, and respectfully covered. Yes. Um, and you see the last vestiges of that, like the AP just released this sort of um, British movie tone newsreel coverage Mm. of the royal wedding of Charles and Diana, where they're just like, oh, she's so beautiful. The world gets its first full glimpse of the fairy tale princess, demure behind her veil, and the wedding dress that has been a carefully guarded secret, resplendent ivory silk taffeta trimmed with antique lace in a long, long train, all 25 feet hand embroidered, as bewitching and romantic a bride as ever touched the heart of the world. And really taking all these traditions very seriously. But, you know, as Tina Brown talks about, like, that way of talking about the royals, that respectful way, was mm-hmm. really starting to fall apart. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the the tabloids had kind of gotten them in their sights already. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was this, like the 60s and the 70s and the old ways of talking about, you know, institutions were sort of unraveling. Right, and Britain right. was in this sort of, you know, like malaise type period. And, um, you know, they were, there were all these social changes that result in the press was sort of starting to get a little hungry, mm-hmm. you know, and then a little bit less respectful. And, right. you know, they were ready for some blood in the water a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, we just don't have the same tabloid culture as, like, as the, I mean, like, you know, you want to know why the Brexit happened. Like, a big part of it was these, like, you know, they have all these huge mass circulation tabloids Mm -hmm. that just have incredible power. Mm -hmm. And so they went, when they focus on something, it becomes the biggest story. It's like a dominating. It's just, like, overwhelming. It's everywhere, you know? It's everywhere. And so, you know, she, there's this sort of old fascination that kind of still exists, but also you're getting sort of the less respectful press and you're also getting the rise of just like modern celebrity culture. I mean, I think that truly like the, I think that it's really appropriate that like, 
that that Ryan Murphy is doing this series of this season of feud around Princess Diana oh, and Prince oh, Charles. Right. Because I truly think that like it's the counter, it's the partner story to the OJ Simpson trial. Like no, it's a sort of yes. like a modern, like defining beginning of our modern. Like a turning media point age. for yeah. media. Um was Diana sort of the first like tabloid princess then? Not exactly, because I mean, you know, like Elizabeth Taylor oh, yeah. has an equal, you know, that's those are sort of her counterparts as sort of the old media, you know, like Elizabeth Taylor and Jackie O are truly mm-hmm. like the only people I can think of that would be a true counterpart to Princess Diana where, you know, and, you know, no disrespect to like anybody, like to, you know, Kim Kardashian yeah. for having created her fame with her own two hands. Sure. But like, you know, there there's like a sort of an objective news appeal to somebody. Like, you know, Jackie Mm -hmm. Kennedy is like, she's married to the president who got assassinated and was, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, huge movie star. Princess Diana, married to the throne. You know, the the heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's sort of this objective nugget of fame that then because of their magnetism and, you know, various features of the media ecosystem, it blows up into just this like, unbelievable media phenomenon. Right. I watched one of the documentaries of the many that so are many. that have been released for the occasion of the 20th anniversary. I think the one that I watched is the one on Netflix. So it's the BBC one. Yeah, the like seven days that shut seven the world day, which or whatever. Was, like insane. Which is also a really funny title to give it, like a callback to the like <laughs> the John Reed book about the Russian Revolution. Oh, is that what that? <laughs> yeah, that's like a reference to this like famous <laughs> oh. <laughs> text about the Russian Revolution written by this like, oh. radical American journalist. Yeah, Jesus. Well, I mean, shout out to the movie Reds. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like. I mean, I do not, I very vaguely remember all this. I wasn't like a child. I was like 14 or 15 when this happened. So I don't think I was really paying that much attention. But the magnitude of grief in Britain was like, it wasn't like that here. I feel like, no, there were probably like pockets, but not, I mean, it looked like Britain, it looked like England just fucking shut down. In just a few days, the nation was brought to the edge of a collective nervous breakdown. As grief turned into anger, the royal family became the target. They're the most cold people on this earth. It's the first time I'd felt, ooh, I wonder if this is what a civil war feels like. I wonder if this is how it is before it kicks off. Yeah, I mean, you know, America was obviously very fascinated, but like, you know, she was a you know, an American media celebrity, but she, like, wasn't an American phenomenon exactly. I mean, she was. And she was really poised to, I think, become, like, you know, like an American media celebrity in an even bigger way, Mm -hmm. you know, if she had, like, decided to move to America or something like that. I think her appeal in America was only growing. But, like, you know, it just, it just, it was like a cataclysm. It was insane. Just, I mean, and there's this actually, I was reading, Hilary Mantel wrote about. Oh, yeah, I read part of that. And I thought it was really interesting because she kind of points out that, like, you know, the way we handle mourning in the modern era is, like, we don't really ritualize it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and she says this, and I, I think it's true, that I don't think anybody wants to go back to, like, Victorian rules about, well, you have to wear black for a year, then you yeah. have to wear gray for a year, then you can wear purple for maybe six months. Jesus Christ. And it was, like, highly ritualized, and there are all these rules. And, you know, I, I think that, like, you know, some people, it makes them feel better to go back to work, and, like, there should be room for that or whatever. But, you know, there's really, like, you get what? Like, you know, a close member of your family dies, and you get a week off, you Is know? Is that it? Yeah, you, like, don't hardly get anything. Yeah, and, that's not you know, sufficient. And we don't really know how to talk about, like, you know, we don't really have these same rituals mm-hmm. that we used to, and we don't really know how to talk about it. And she thinks that, you know, that kind of is part of what's going on there is, like, mm. you know, we all have, like, you know, 
great reserves of, you know, grief in many cases. Yes, of like, course. you know, people that you've lost or things that have happened to you. And like, it just becomes this, like, it sort of became this focus for like everything that anybody had ever lost in their entire lives. Yeah. Cause we all compartmentalize things and we sort of tamp them down. And then that was, I see what you're saying, that that was just sort of like the eruption mm-hmm. where everyone was just sort of mourning like everything, mm-hmm. including Diana. And I do think it was like, there's an element of just like the timing of it. Like it, it's weird how her, you know, her story, like, reached this dramatic climax in this mm-hmm. very narrative way. I mean, yeah. it was like her celebrity was building and building and building and building, and then she's in this horrible car crash that's perceived to be partly because of the media, and it's just like, and she's been hounded to death, and then we all come together and we grieve for her in mass. It, like, has this, you know, it just has this very Shakespearean quality, I mm-hmm. think, that, you know, I think that resonates with people. Yeah, definitely. I had a stray question about the Princess Diana Beanie Baby, which is like the one thing that I do very specifically remember. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, my I like my Princess Diana learning about her death story is like kind of dumb. But I was working at a like a theater in my hometown. There was like a musical of I think Gypsy, actually, um, and I had to get the AB. There was like an ABC News producer in this in the audience, and we had to go get him so we could like use the office phone. But then the only thing that I and I remember she died obviously, and like seeing the news. The only thing I really that like really sticks out in my mind is the fucking Beanie Baby. Was that after? That was after her death. Like yeah, a commemorative yeah. Beanie Baby. Yeah, the commemorative Beanie Baby. Well, because it was like. Because the Beanie Baby had the rose on it, right? Right. It was, it and was that purple. was part of the book. That was yeah. it was that was part of the uh, the like the 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 funeral was Elton John singing "Candle in the yeah. Wind." Now in the nave, Elton John sings "Candle in the Wind" with new words specially written a few days ago by Bernie Taupin. Goodbye, England's rose. May you ever grow in our hearts. You are the grace that placed yourselves. Where lives were torn apart. This is the first CD I ever bought. Oh my God. <laughs> it's literally not. It was like that and oh. a Spice Girl CD. Yeah. Like, I oh my God. It's somewhere in my it's beautiful. childhood, but it's mortifying. It's beautiful. Um, let me be clear that I, if I actually lived in England, I would like hate the monarchy. I would hate right. the House of Lords. I would hate everything to do with these people. Right. But you know, you're whatever. observing from a fair distance. So I, th- I actually think that that's part of what happened. Is like you know that he did the song and it was the commemorative CD that was huge. And mm-hmm. then like you know, <laughs> I guess I don't know, Ty or whatever yeah. was like, well, we got this phenomenon and we got this phenomenon. Just Let's put them, them together. together and get a super phenomenon where we like people think that they can sell their beanie babies for a thousand. I feel like a Princess Diana Beanie Baby would not fetch much at no. this juncture, if anything. Very hard for me to believe that, but, you know, who knows? I mean, who, <laughs> there's a sucker born every minute. Princess Diana that interests me the most, I think, is how her life and up until her death really did sort of was like a turning point for modern celebrity. And I'm most interested in how it affects like Kate Middleton Mm -hmm. and Meghan Markle and like now like the younger royals. Like Kate Middleton, do you think she will ever achieve like Diana fame or Mm -mm. will anyone? 
Um, I mean, I don't think that the new generation wants it exactly like they're. Yeah, I mean, it you looks know, awful. Like, I mean, I think that they have very like they've cultivated a certain reserve. Like, mm-hmm. they're doing a very delicate dance with the press, right? You know, one of the things I read when I was getting ready for this was there was this um, article in Time. But I think the author's name is Kate Samuelson about the impact of Diana's death on the British media. Something, yeah. And basically, there, you know, there was this big backlash, and everybody, you know, thought that like these paparazzi had literally chased her to her death. Right? Is that true? It's more complicated than that. Right. I mean, like basically, they had the person that they had driving the limo mm-hmm. was the head of security for the Ritz. Okay. And he'd had a couple of drinks. Right. And just the whole thing, it wasn't very well organized in advance. And mm-hmm. it was just very chaotic. She'd given up her security team after oh, okay. the divorce. And it was like, there were a lot of moving pieces that contributed to the, like the catastrophe right. of Dan- Diana's death. Right. Was, you know, it was like a complex event with a lot of, you know, things moving parts wrong and shit. That night. Yeah. But, you know, like there was like, there was a reason they were driving that fast that night. Yeah, of course. And there was a real sense that, like, she had been, like, hounded to her death. And, like, you know, her brother, Earl Spencer, was, um, like, blamed the press. She talked endlessly of getting away from England, mainly because of the treatment that she received at the hands of the newspapers. I don't think she ever understood why her genuinely good intentions were sneered at by the media, why there appeared to be a permanent quest on their behalf to bring her down. It is baffling. My own and only explanation is that genuine goodness is threatening to those at the opposite end of the moral spectrum. It is a point to remember that of all the ironies about Diana, perhaps the greatest was this. A girl given the name of the ancient goddess of hunting was, in the end, the most hunted person of the modern age. You know, that was, like, very much, in, you know, a narrative, which is interesting because at the same time, the tabloid press is, like, drumming up all this, like, negativity towards the, the royal family. Right. And, you know, where's the queen? Why aren't they flying the flag at half mass? Right. And, like, that's part of what, what like, the just sort of the huge outpouring was. It's part—I mean, it, the tabloids were feeding into it, mm-hmm. too. So— you know, there's this big backlash, and basically everybody's like, all right, we, you know, we maybe all helped kill this woman. Yeah, it's like, horrifying. Fuck, like, whoops. Um, so there's this backlash against, you know, sort of, like, being that invasive and intrusive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, like, you know, if you think about it, like, they really backed off from, you know, the whole, like, like you know, Harry and, and William. Yeah, you know, like they, they left them alone pretty much. Yeah, for several years. And, you know, it starts to heat up when they start to get about marriageable age. Yeah. And, you know, like, there's, you know, Harry gets into trouble now and then. And, you right. know, but it's not, it's not anywhere near the frenzy as, it, you know, it was. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know— like, Kate Middleton comes on the scene and they get engaged. But, like, they've handled it, you know, they've, they've like, they've managed it very aggressively and handled it very carefully. And, you know, they sort of cultivate, a, a, like, a warm reserve, I think, maybe yeah. is the way to think about it. And they, as much as any other celebrity, I think maybe Clover Hope wrote about this. Um, many celebrities have basically turned to, like, Instagram and social media. Mm-hmm. And, like, why do you have to go to People magazine? When you can so, just do it yourself. Yeah, when you can just put it on your own Instagram. And, I mean, like, Kate takes a lot of the pictures of the kids. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of those pictures that are released. Like, mm-hmm. that's not even royal photographer. Like, that's her with her, like— Just, like, her phone. You know, her DSLR or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm sure she has the nicest camera right. anyone has ever had. But, but it's like, she's, like— Feeding into the narrative, like, she's a mom. She's, yeah. like, a regular mom taking pictures of her kids. Right. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're, like, oh, you know, we're just a normal family, and we're trying to raise them in normality. And, like, you know, that's sort of, like, a pitch to be, like, please be respectful of our space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, and, and you know, but it is, it will be interesting to watch over the next few years because they've 
kept pretty clear out of scandal. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they kept their the, noses clean, like their heads down and just sort of. Especially compared to their parents' generation, which like we haven't even talked about Andrew and Fergie and the just <laughs> totally mortifying <laughs> spectacle that they were. I mean, Jesus God. It's so great. It's like, so fun. Like she literally, like, like literally pictures of her sucking somebody's toes. That Fucking were not amazing. Even, it was not her husband either. I mean, maybe she could have played it off as, oh, you know, whatever, the marital bed. One her <sighs> husband. I love it. Um, anyway, so like, you know, they've kept their noses clean and they've behaved pretty good, but like they're public figures, they live these lives of women's privilege, you right. know. Like all it's gonna take, you know, is is one mistake for a lot, I think, some of the the shine to come off mm. of them pretty fast. Is is uh royal culture in other um in other countries that still have a monarchy as nuts as it is in uh in Britain? I think the monarchy in I wanna say like Thailand. Okay is still really, like, you know, it's maybe the closest counterpart. Mm -hmm. But, like, also their their recently deceased king was Mm -hmm. the same generation as Elizabeth. Uh They were, like, contemporaries. So it was, like, it is kind of, like, you know, the last, like, of the the last generation is kind of of dying off. I mean, you know, the Swedes, like, they're kind of, like, you know, we're just like we're just people. I'm just yeah, not gonna like, <laughs> crown sometimes. It's like you know, we're low key. Like they show up and like you know they like dress up in national costume for like mm. Sweden oh, Day right, or whatever, right, right. and they look very charming. Yeah, and, you know they like you know they do the thing. You know they're not as like grand. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 Windsors remain very like grand with the gilded cage. You know gilded cages, <laughs> the, <laughs> the golden carriages. Right. The you know Buckingham Palace and Kensington Palace and Clarence House and the beef eaters and the all this, this like that pop and, the other. and yeah. shit that just like. Seems like it's just there as it's there for a tradition, obviously, which is still very important. It's also there as like a level of remove mm-hmm. from everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody always says that they're there for the tourist revenue. Mm, but I think that, that the best, which is not nothing. Yeah. I think that the best way to think of them as being the, is as being like the human Lincoln bedroom. Aha. Uh, like, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like there's a reason that like, you know, Theresa May was like, well, should we invite Trump to like come do this state visit is because right. like, you know, they're worried about like the future of the special relationship between the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and the United States. Like what can, what do we have mm-hmm. that we can come? And it's like, I think it's important not to discount the sort of the effect that like wheeling and dealing, like not wheeling and dealing that like, you know, giving somebody the big show with yeah. the state dinner. I mean, that stuff that like, that can influence people. It and matters it to some influ- people. I'm yeah. sure it can certainly influence the current American president. <laughs> you know, I think that, like, <sighs> you know, I think that th- th- there's a reason. Do you think that the press has changed any in Britain after Diana's death? Do you think that the nature of, like, tabloid journalism in the UK has toned down or changed a little bit in light of this? Because it does look like, it does seem like the public turned very quickly in that week, like that's at least how this documentary laid it out, was mm-hmm. that it was like very, very sad. Then everyone was like, oh, fuck, you guys did this. Like, fuck you, fuck you. And then the mm-hmm. funeral and then recovery. Like the catharsis. The catharsis, yeah. The pro- You know, I think it had implications for way that they, you know, the way they write about famous people, mm-hmm. how intrusive they are. Certainly it had implications for the way they write about the royals. But, yeah, you know, I think like the, you know, all the phone hacking scandal mm-hmm. stuff yeah, yeah. shows that like, you know, they <laughs> they are, uh, you know, not a timid bunch of people. Eight of Rupert Murdoch's reporters and editors here in Britain have been charged with hacking the voicemails of more than 600 people over a period of five years, all in search of sensational stories for Murdoch's now-shuttered tabloid, 
the news of the world. They're terrified. They are, you know, I... Like, I would not want to be in their fucking crosshairs. It's uh, terrifying. I, not, I mean, they are no joke. Like, yeah. Like I said, I think I think the, like, the Brexit kind of illustrates, like, they still have an incredible amount of power. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the all-out assault on institutions and, the, and established, like, established authorities that was the entire 20th century, mm-hmm. like or, you know, the latter half of the 20th century. Like, it came for the Windsors, but, like, you know, I don't see why, you know, in the end, it, the changes couldn't come for the tabloids, you yeah, know? It's like, yeah. the internet is coming for us all in the end, No, it's right? true. I mean, we will all be <laughs> consumed in the gaping maw of the internet. Um, I had a question about Prince Harry. How much do they really care about him? Who? The monarchy. Because I feel like, where in the line of succession is he? Well, because now there's a third if, kid. Like, hope, yeah, if, you know, all goes well with the third baby, then he'll be sixth. You know, the odds that he is ever going to be king, very low, would only be through a national tragedy of unimaginable proportions. Right, like a plane crash or something. Yeah, like right. that. Was, I mean, that would probably be, like, worse than Diana. But Sure. Um, no, I, yes. You know, he but seems to, like, fuck up, a, like, I mean, the whole Nazi outfit, yeah. the, you know, you know like, he, he's done some shit. I think he has ended up, like, in the end, like being sort of an asset, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the younger Windsors are sort of, of like, consciously the new generation, right? Kate, Will, Harry are sort of a, you know, they're they're like a, they're a team. Yep. And they seem to work really well together. Mm -hmm. And they have this, like, sort of face that's, like, you know, warmer and more emotionally open, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, have, they have cultivated this very strict, you know, personal boundaries with, you know, the press. And I think that, like, Harry has done a pretty remarkable job of, like, you know, I think that, Everybody pretty much thought that he was going to come to be a total shithead. Yeah, no, he was really. I feel like he was <laughs> he, on that sh- that shithead track. He was on the shithead track, and he, you know, he pulled it out pretty mm-hmm. effectively. And you know, he does a lot of like work with wounded veterans. Oh, and that's he seems right. To, you know, he seems to be like very serious about it, and very, you know, you know, I think he does. Like he has the touch, mm-hmm. you know, with people. Do you think Harry is better at that sort of having the touch than William is? William seems a little like, eh. yeah. I personally, I think that he's got, I think that Harry has it better. I think he seems like he could um, be kind of a wild card, honestly. Like, I wouldn't put it past him to do something titanically stupid. Yeah. Because, you know, he seems like he might have a temper, you know. He's still kind of like a bro. I don't want to, like, redhead stereotype or whatever, but, like, you know, he seems (laughs) like he... You know, he does seem like he could just, like, get a little, you know, get a little, uh, get a little loose. I mean, I think it's because he's, like... He's protected. He's sixth in, he's sixth in line. Mm-hmm. He's, like, pretty sure that, like, he's never going to be he's king. So he can it. still sort of kind of, like, fuck around a little. And do you think yeah. maybe that's why he – who has he dated besides Meghan Markle? Because I think the idea of Meghan Markle be like, do you, I mean, I assume they're going to be engaged. It seems like a done deal. It's, like, deal. imminent. Yeah. The announcement will be imminent. I mean, do you think that – that just choosing to date her was necess- was like maybe a little bit of rebellion. I don't really know that that's the case because I mean they do seem like they make sense. Like yeah. apparently Meghan Markle is like like really serious about philanthropy and it like mm, means a lot okay. to him. And you know who knows what they're actually like, but right. you know it seems like, like it, you know paper. they make sense as a yeah. couple. I think. I mean, I'm sure that like the Windsor relatives are like a like just like a, a nightmare. Like yeah, like just like I'm sure they've got like more racists in the attic than like whoa. You what? Know, There's like a fucking anybody, like, a wing full of racists. Just, just like, like you tumble just, out. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, <laughs> like oh know, god. They're just the like, racist closet. I found like, it. Yeah, they're like they're in the china cabinet. There's, yeah. there's like a like you know a china cabinet full of like, like ancient old- German racists. <laughs> like seriously, who just like claw every now and then. You're like stop. Like, like living, just living skeletons. Um, so before he used to date, Cressida Bonus was who he yes, dated. Right. 
Why would an aristocrat's daughter ever marry one of these two? That's a good point. I don't know. Like, why do that? Like, okay, say I'm like the Duke of, you know, like Fizzy Wig's sister, Great. right? Yep. You know, I've already got like three country houses. You've got a shitload of I'm, land. Well, it's not, you know, it's not mine. It's my brother's. But it's like, but, like you know, I've got like access mm-hmm. to all the things that I would have access to as a Windsor's wife. Yeah. You know, why would you do that? Like, Doesn't make what a sense. horrible deal. Like, <laughs> I would rather just be like, you know, just like anonymously rich. Yeah. I mean, I think, anon- yes, like being anonymously rich sounds great. Yeah, right. Sounds much better than like having to deal with like, all of the fucking shit, like, I don't know, ceremonies and things, large hats. Well, the hats are okay. Yeah, that's a pretty nice. I could take, I could, yeah, the I hat's mean, fine. You know, I would, you, but you can still go to Royal Ascot and wear a fancy house. It's in the true. Royal, hat in the Royal Box. Like, if you're like just some, you know, shit-ass aristocrat. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, so the last thing I would like to talk about very briefly is that it was announced recently that Kate Middleton is pregnant again with baby number three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exciting for that's exciting for them. <laughs> I hope it works out. I mean, I hope knock on wood, everything goes fine. I don't know. I mean, how many fucking kids do you think they're gonna have? You know, I thought they'd stop it too. I thought they were going for gets, George and Charlotte and then I mean, done. especially she since she gets the 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 condition that I can't ever remember oh, the exact the name like of really the like hyper puking awful morning sickness, bad which morning is like, which is like debilitating like I mean having like you know been pregnant fairly recently like you know I low key felt like I was gonna puke the whole time and I had mild morning sickness I've heard it's been described as a nine month hangover I just That's like I I've just heard, yeah I cannot imagine. But, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, I, you know, I, I like, I love having a kid. I yeah. didn't mind being pregnant. Like, if I had as much money and, and like, hands as they do, I'd probably have five. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> I'd just keep going until I felt like stopping. So you're like, I'm good. I mean, like, That's whatever. Enough. I mean, like, you know, they don't have to worry about paying to send them to college. No, they're definitely not, like, concerned about daycare. So <laughs> yeah. they can have as many children as they want. Yeah, I doubt they're Happily. really sweating the monthly cost of childcare. <laughs> Do you think, do you hope it will be a boy or a girl? I feel like it probably, you know, like you don't really want it to work this way. It should yeah. work this way in, you know, 2017. But I feel like it probably is easier to be a spare girl than it mm. is to be the second son. Ooh. Uh, although, no, wait, wait, but like Charlotte, but now Charlotte is in line. But she yeah, I, I'm, I wonder if it like, you know, like just because they live in like a dinosaur petting zoo, yeah. if maybe it's still kind of more like difficult to be the second son. I feel like probably because the second son means you're like never going to get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the who, whichever child is born, both older siblings will be in line. Oh, okay. Because they changed it so that if, if, oh. if George had been a girl, George would have gotten it. Oh, Still I Still would have gotten it. They changed it shortly before he was born, but then he ended up being George, so, so whatever. whatever. it worked out. I wonder whether it's so old-fashioned that it's still, like, hard, you know, if it would be, like, difficult to, you know, find your place. Like, 
you know, mm. especially, I mean, I guess they'll, they'll never really know Prince Philip, but I feel like Prince Philip is really old fashioned. And, yeah. You know, I wonder whether it would be really difficult to be, you know, a, like a young man finding your way in the world in that situation. I Harry has a little bit of second son syndrome, right? It seems like he's pretty happy to not have it. Yeah. So like he kind of, you know, it seems like his disposition is like, yeah, I'll just go like do, you know. Cool. I mean, Fine. he, he seems like he it. kind of probably wishes he could be in the army for longer. Mm-hmm. But depending on the personality of the kid. It yeah, might of course. Be. Yeah. Um, you know, but of course I enjoy watching her dress little girls. So. Me too. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> the little Charlotte is very, she's very adorable. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I just really enjoy the baby dresses. So, Me too. You know, I mean, George had a lot reasons. of, he had like a good, he had a lot of good shorts, a lot of short pants yeah. that I little, enjoyed. A little like knee sock. A little, yep, a little knee sock, yeah. a little like Mary Jane, but for a boy. Yeah. Kind of look, which I, yeah. that's like fun. Yeah. Because like you can like cute. look at those later and be like, wow. Wow, guys. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Put me in fucking Mary Jane's for like three years of my life. Like, I hate you. You know, I read somewhere that the reason she does that is um, so that like he's not recognizable normally. (laughs) Like, think about it though. You would not like, because you're so used to seeing him looking like, I think Aaron Ryan described him one time as like the ghost of a baby who died in the Blitz. Like That's true. You're so used to seeing him look like little Lord Fauntleroy. But like, you know, if you just saw him with his nanny on the street, you'd be like, oh, like, baby. Cute blonde kid. Whatever. Who cares? That's a good point. Hmm. Um, Smart. I don't know if that's true, but actually I think it, you know, makes sense. I like that. I'll take it. But I love her like cute little, little girl dresses. She does wear a lot of really good looks. I also think it'll be really interesting to see whether they name her Diana. Ooh. Although apparently the bookmaker, the, the you know, the bookmakers are saying, like, I follow the uh, the Daily Express's royal correspondent on Twitter, Richard mm-hmm. Palmer, and I think he said that the bookmakers say it's for the leading name for the girl is Alice. Okay. Um, and the leading name for a boy is Arthur. Okay. Which is really cute. The Arthur and Alice are both really adorable names, but they should name what? Is Diana the middle name? Which Charlotte, Charlotte's got like a bunch maybe, of names. Maybe Diana's But is like Diana like crammed in there somewhere? It might be. I should probably know that. Maybe, whatever. Maybe Harry, well, maybe if Harry and Megan get married <laughs> and then they make a baby, then it's Diana. God, I hope they get married and we can watch another royal wedding. I, I know. Love that shit. That's the best part. Give me the good shit. I know. <laughs> Shoot it straight into my veins. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Kelly Faircloth and Joanna Rothkoff. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Drees. Mondana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.